Welcome to the Voice of Oregon's Workers, a podcast from the Oregon AFL-CIO, where we highlight the people and the organizations who are the backbone of the constant struggle for workplace democracy across our beautiful state. We hope to capture their stories, their victories, and their lessons learned on the long, difficult journey towards a just and fair economy that lifts up all working people. We also hope to elevate the inspirational examples of unified, solidarity-driven, working-class power. The American labor movement has captured the hearts and minds of workers everywhere who are looking for a better life. With waves of strikes, innovative organizing, and fights for change in every sector of the economy. This is our moment, and it's up to us to seize it. I'm Oregon AFL-CIO President Graham Trainer, and I'm proud to welcome you to our latest episode. I'm Russell Sanders, Communications Director for the Oregon AFL-CIO, and I'm excited to get into the first episode of 2022. We're talking with the Oregon AFL-CIO legislative and political team about the 2022 Oregon Legislature, which begins in February and lasts for about a month in what is often referred to as our short session since we have a long legislative session in odd-numbered years. As the statewide Federation of Labor Unions in Oregon, we speak as a strong voice for working people and their families in every community of Oregon and every sector of our state's diverse economy. Our mission in Oregon's legislature is to champion and advocate for policies that build power for working people while defending and expanding the progress that we've made in previous legislative sessions. Oregon's unions and our allies in the state capitol have an impressive list of priorities to make progress for Oregon's workers this year. But like many things related to state politics, there are complexities that can be difficult to unravel unless you're familiar with the process. That's why we're talking to Jess and Katie today, since they're both seasoned veterans of legislative advocacy in Oregon. Welcome to the podcast. Can you please introduce yourselves? Hi, everyone. Jess Genetino, Viatoro, she, her pronouns. I'm um, political and legislative director here at the Oregon AFL-CIO. Thanks, Jess. Katie Tyson, she, her pronouns, lead political and policy specialist. Awesome. Well, welcome again. Uh, it's great having you both on to talk about the short session. Um, so why does Oregon have a legislation, legislative session in February of even numbered years? What's the purpose of that? That's a good question, Russell. So in 2010, voters approved a ballot measure that was referred by the legislature that required the legislature to meet annually. And beginning in 2011, the legislature convenes in February. Um, but sessions can't exceed 160 days in odd number years. And in even number years, like this year, it can't exceed 35 days. Um, there's like a little process by which uh, two thirds of a vote in both chambers um, could extend a session by five days, but nobody wants that. Well, that's fascinating. Um, it's also one of those like wonky things that I thought was simple and then turns out it's. Um, a lot of, you know, what sounds to be parliamentary uh, type of stuff. This is why we have you guys on the podcast because you know all this stuff off the back of your off the back of your hand, um, top of your head. So, Jess, what are the top priorities of the Oregon AFL CIO this year? What are we What are we fighting for in the legislature? Sure. Um, so, Katie and I will probably split this. I'll talk about the bills that the Oregon AFL-CIO has filed and is primarily on point for, and then Katie will talk about those that we also care a lot about that our affiliates and allies are leading, but that we are helping on. Um, so, first up is Senate Bill 1586, and it is a cleanup bill uh, related to non-disclosure agreements 
when a worker has experienced discrimination, harassment, or has been sex- sexually assaulted on the job. And folks who um, were around in 2019 remember that we ran a bill that sounded a lot similar, sounded very similar to this. Um, and unfortunately, what we've seen since um, that bill has come into effect is that some employers um, have circumvented their way around the current statute to continue requesting employees sign non-disclosure agreements when they've been discriminated, harassed, or sexually assaulted on the job. Um, and we know uh, that when workers have the power to share what happens to them when they've experienced these awful things, that other workers are more likely to come forward. We've seen this with Time's Up and Me Too. And I think we fundamentally believe as a labor movement that sunlight is a disinfectant um, and that employer behavior changes um, when we can be clear about what is happening and that it's not acceptable. Um, so this bill we're really excited about. Um, it's going to be heard uh, the first day that the committee hears bills on the Senate side, which is next Thursday. Um, and then I'll just take a minute to talk about a couple of other bills. Um, the next bill that uh, I'll spend a couple minutes on is a bill that we're running for uh, a bunch of bakery workers um, that you all help support on the strike line. And unfortunately, they're um, employer has some pretty horrendous scheduling practices and they will discipline them when they can't fulfill a forced overtime shift. Sometimes when they're only provided five or 10 minutes notice. So obviously this has a disproportionate impact on people who have family and caregiving responsibilities, um, disproportionately um, represented communities in the, in the area. Um, and it's a basic fairness bill that says an employer can't take an adverse employment action. So everything from discipline to termination um, when they provide less than two weeks notice of a forced overtime shift. So just trying to level the playing field for those folks up there. And then the last bill that we have is um, related to workers' comp modernization. Um, the workers' comp statute is really old and arcane and is not kept up with the way that family structures exist today. Um, so we have some cleanup to make sure that all families, when they experience the unfortunate um, incident of having a family member die on the job, have um, adequate access to death benefits. And then we also strengthen retaliation protections in the workers' comp statute to make sure that all workers, regardless of their employer size, have access to discrimination and retaliation protections. Thank you so much for that overview. Um, those are three super important bills, and it's uh, it's cool to hear about them in this in this context. Um, Katie, what are some of the other priorities that Oregon Labor is working on, um, like some of our affiliates' top priorities? Yeah, we're really excited to have a um, super robust and ambitious agenda set by um, affiliates um, for this thirty-day uh, session. But I'll talk about some in um, some really high level. Um, so the first being um, extending um, protections for overtime to farm workers. Um, this really stems from um, the racist roots in the Federal Labor Standards Act. And so farm workers are not um, afforded the same overtime protections as everyone, as most other workers. Um, so again, trying to fix that this legislative session, um, coming back at a bite of the apple there. And um, we're also really excited to support um, the firefighters in extending um, workers' comp um, presumptions of coverage um, for firefighters who get um, cancer, specifically um, bladder cancer, and for female firefighters 
um, gynecological reproductive system cancers um, covered under workers' comp. Right now, um, only, you know, male uh, reproductive cancers are covered under the workers' compensation system for firefighters. Um, AFSCME has a couple of really exciting bills around um, making investments in child care, um, specifically the child care workforce, really to meet um, this incredible crisis that so many workers are facing right now in terms of finding affordable and accessible child care. And that's particularly true, we've heard from workers who don't have, you know, nine to five schedules um, finding that child care. So um, making investments to make sure that folks can um, get child care. And then they also have a labor harmony agreement bill. So I think many folks were super excited to see their labor harmony agreement um, in Multnomah County with a lot of their workers. So an agreement between county leadership and AFSCME um, to um, not uh, uh, dissuade workers from being able to um, form a union um, and organize a union. And so taking that bill and moving it to the statewide level. So super exciting there. Um, and then uh, excited to support the Oregon School Employees Association in getting some um, funding for um, schools that were impacted by wildfires. Um, ONA is working on um, a funding ask for um, to address racism as a public health crisis. So some actual next steps in terms of funding communities who've been um, disenfranchised um, from healthcare for a long time. Um, essential worker pay, a big um, priority for a number of affiliates. So the, the workers who couldn't stay home during the height of the pandemic, um, providing some level of premium pay specifically to low-income workers, particularly um, through federal um, ARPA dollars. And finally, um, cleaning up um, the clean energy jobs bill that passed in the 2021 um, session to make sure that apprenticeships are um, more readily used and that the prevailing wage requirement is um, defined and better clarified there. So a really strong agenda. They're excited to help pass um, with partners and affiliates in the next 30 days. That's a lot to do in 30 days. Um, are you feeling excited? So excited. So excited. <laughs> Can't wait. Good. So I, I think just to kind of slow things down a little bit, I mean, where, how did these priorities get moved from an idea to a law? Because um, I think a lot of our listeners might, you know, understand, okay, we have these things that we're working on in the legislature, but how, how does that actually play out? I mean, I think the bakery bill is a really good example. You know, Katie and I are experts at navigating bills through processes, but we aren't experts about what's happening on shop floors across the state. So we went and walked the picket line, just like many of you all did, and heard about the workers' challenges that they were facing. Um, and pretty readily decided to call bullshit on that employer behavior and it didn't get solved. And that wasn't fair for those workers after the huge fight that they went through um, to not to still have to deal with these like pretty horrendous scheduling practices that I would argue are meant to create a culture of fear about being disciplined simply because you have a life outside of the four walls of your job. Um, so from there, um, we asked the workers if they wanted to pursue a change and asked the Baker's Union if they wanted to pursue a change and they were down. Um, so then we talked to legislators and, you know, I think strategically chose a legislator to file this bill. Um, 
And then you go through the drafting process. Like how is the best way, what is the best way to solve this given all of the factors that are at play? So some of the factors that you would consider are like, okay, well, what are the majorities in each chamber? How difficult is this? How much will the opposition hate this? We only have 30 days to get a bill out. And actually you have less than that. You have one week to convince the chair of a committee that it is worth keeping alive. Um, so all of that goes into calculating how you should pursue it. Um, and now it's just up to us and hopefully everybody on listening to help us pass it. Indeed. Well, that's um, that's such a good example, too, of last summer when um, we were walking up and down at the Bakers and hearing what, you know, the issues that they were having, um, that, you know, the strike was one thing, but there were other issues happening inside the plant, too. Um, that needed to be to be dealt with um, through through lawmaking and, and that sort of thing. That's um, thanks for providing that example. Um, so, what are the what are some of the main changes that we're seeing amongst legislators this this session um, with the election coming up right around the corner? Here, it feels like there's lots of shifting seats. I think like I'm, I feel like every day I'm seeing another like this person has been appointed. This person has you know, announced they're not running. Um, what's, what's kind of, what's going on there? <laughs> All right, Russell, there are lots of changes. I mean, I think the most notable ones is the first time in my lobbying career, we will have a new speaker. Um, and only the third time we will have a new majority leader in the house. And we have new minority leaders in both the house and the Senate. Um, and then we got a whole host of shifting domino chairs uh, throughout the caucuses. And that's just only going to continue um, uh, throughout 2022 as we head into the primary and the general. Does, does that provide like further challenges to your job? I mean, I think we're excited about new folks in leadership, um, but you get used to operating one way. So I think we're all going to learn about um each other's styles and how to continue to move pro worker policies. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of challenges to your job, uh, are you doing your advocacy in the Capitol itself this session, or is it going to be a remote like it has been since the start of pandemic? Yeah, it will be largely remote. Um, all of the committee hearings um, will be remote. And then uh, the floor sessions will be in person. So the legislators will be on the chamber floors to vote on um, bills as they come up. But all the kind of pre-work of that will mostly be uh, remote. Um, so another uh, 30 days with many, many, many Zoom meetings. So many Zoom meetings. Um, so how can, uh, how can union members and workers um, and folks who are interested in this process get involved? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so there's challenges for us in a virtual session, certainly many Zoom meetings um, and not being able to as readily um, talk to folks. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways that transfers to, to other folks getting involved in the process. But I think what has been really nice about remote sessions is that in a lot of ways, it also means that more workers, more Oregonians are able to participate because you don't have to physically drive to Salem to, to participate in the process when the committees are online. So we're working with the um, bakery workers in particular to come um, share their stories um, with legislators um, as, this, uh, as our priority bill 
um, comes up. For other workers, you know, there'll certainly be opportunities to email your legislators, to talk to your legislators as these bills move the process. Um, you can sign up for our legislative updates on the website to get involved, um, track our social media, and always reach out to us if you have questions about bills that you want to get involved in. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll put links uh, in the description of the episode to do exactly that. Um, where can folks learn more about the legislative priorities that you, that you reviewed? Yeah, I think our website is always a great resource. Our social media is always a great resource. And then the legislative site itself, um, which y'all were happy to um, help folks with and put links in the description, um, has so much information, just a wealth of information about what all is happening in the legislature. Indeed it does. Um, well, if you could pass any bill, what would it be? What's your like dream piece of legislation? Mm. Let's see, my dream piece of legislation. Um, I got a, I got a whole wish list that I add to your recession. Um, but I think if I pass like any sweeping legislation, I think I would try to figure out how to make being a legislator more accessible. Because I think who is in those seats matters a lot to what public policy gets generated. I think we've noticed that with like electing more folks who come from more working class backgrounds and it's not hard to convince someone who has struggled to find childcare or who hasn't been able to pay their rent why the issues we work on are important. And I think figuring out how to get folks with more lived experience um, and all more lived experience that reflects the values of labor movement in all levels of office is something that we could do that would make everything much easier from now on by the people for the people kind of thinking i mean if you i'm i'm thinking of my own state rep who happens to be a firefighter and if you know if you have more blue collar folks like that uh in office good things will only continue to happen um that, that was a really good answer jess wow uh lobbying a graver is one of my favorite things to do Never. yeah i'll bet i'll bet um katie what's your what would be your like ideal legislation that was a really good one, I have to say, like, because it, uh, yeah, would just get at the root of so many of our challenges. Um, so that's a really good one. Um, you know, I worked uh, in and around healthcare policy for so long um, that I will say I, I don't envy the people who would make this happen. But after the policy passes, um, you know, would love to see healthcare not tied to employment, right? Um, yeah. Like so many of the problems that we continue to to work on, you know, workers' comp being one of them, right, um, is made an issue because folks, um, you know, have healthcare that's not reliable, that's not robust, that's not um, incredible some of the time, um, and they have questions about what's covered and what's not. So I do think if we could get to a place where everyone was covered, that it wasn't tied to employment, it would just um, give so many workers more flexibility, more peace of mind, obviously better health outcomes, and really fix a lot of these problems that we continue to deal with um, in other ways. Yeah, that um, that's another really solid answer and uh, a noble goal for sure. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time today um, to chat all things short session. And I will put links to uh, all the stuff you mentioned in the description of the episode. If you like what you heard, then please make sure to follow the podcast, uh, subscribe, and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay safe.